Welcome to another episode of the How to Save the World podcast, where we take a deep dive into the academic research and behavioral science of what really gets people to take pro-environmental action and behavior. I'm your host, Katie Patrick. I'm an environmental engineer and a behavior designer based in Silicon Valley, California, and I'm the author of the book, How to Save the World. And today we're going to talk about a crucial difference that is obscured, often blind to many people, and that is the difference between education design and action design. You've probably heard me talk before about this really important thing called the value-action gap, essential thing to understand if you're in the job of trying to create any type of environmental change with any human beings, you need to know about this. And that is we all tend, and when I mean we, those of us who work in sustainability, who often have good quality environmental or scientific educations, we have this inbuilt hypothesis or assumption that if we educate people about climate change and the whales and the trees and air pollution and all of the things, then that education, that intellectual knowledge will motivate people to change. It motivated us to change, so it's going to motivate everybody else to change as well. And if they're not motivated, it's because they're lazy or dumb or greedy or make up all these reasons why people don't change just because we did. The thing is that people don't necessarily change their behavior because of intellectual knowledge. There are a lot of reasons why people change their behavior, but not necessarily because they know more about the thing. So we all start off with this implicit bias that we think that we need to educate people more to get them to change. And this is why we need to come from an action design framework where we really look at the human being a little bit more like a, a rat in a labyrinth and we're trying to figure out how this animal works and how we get the, the animal to turn right, turn left, go up here and, and go there and work on deeper psychological drivers, which is what we do with behavior and action design. So what so many people do is that they conflate these things together. They don't have a way to surgically carve out or cut or categorize what is education design and what is action design. Having spent my whole career doing either one of those things, educating people or doing action design, I've got a pretty clear mental scalpel now for being able to divide those things up. And what I'm trying to convey in this podcast is to help you develop that sharp tool of being able to know when you are doing education design and when you are doing action design and to not get them all fuzzy and all mixed up because sometimes you will need to do a bit of education design. But make sure you know when you are using knowledge as an ingredient. Getting societies and human beings to change is like a recipe. It's like cooking a big, complex recipe, and we need many ingredients and many steps that have to go in the right order, and we need to follow a process. Education and knowledge and intellectual awareness it's actually not even necessary. You can get people to do a whole bunch of earth stuff without even really knowing or caring that much. But usually getting people to know and care is an ingredient. It is not the entire recipe. It is not the entire cake. So when you know when you are using knowledge and education very specifically as an ingredient to do a certain thing combined with your other types of action designs and you know exactly what the action design is, you'll be able to put it all together in something that works instead of making the mistake of doing all this education design and then being like, 
why why isn't anybody really doing anything? Why isn't the change really happening? And the one line, oh my God, I hated so much. I can't believe like people say it to me all the time. They'll be like, we tried that and it didn't work. I cannot tell you how many sustainability managers and climate people I've spoken to that said, we tried that and it didn't work. I'm like, you did not try it. It was like a terrible Pinterest fail. Like they tried some very bad, not well-delivered version of something and then just assumed that nothing works at all. Don't be that. Don't be that person. Don't ever say that line. Don't ever say we tried it and it didn't work. Every entrepreneur and tinkerer knows that you got to try things hundreds of times. We try it over and over again until we solve it. So let me give an example of what education design might be. It's pretty obvious. It could be hosting a lecture or a documentary. It's teaching scientific facts. It's showing data. It's showing a story, probably a quite emotionally moving story with a whole bunch of facts and data and evidence about the particular topic that you want people to learn about. And what is the test? What is the ultimate test of your education design? If you were going to test it, if you were going to put it through the scientific method, it would be, do they know about it? If you go and ask people on the street, what is the parts per million in the atmosphere right now? I don't know how many people would know off the top of their head. I know it's upwards of 400, changes a bit, not sure exactly what it is today. But, but a test of whether your education design worked would be, do more people know what that number is than they did before? A test of knowledge might be, where are the power stations that your electricity comes from? I tell people all the time that there are 74 gas-powered electricity stations that all turn on at about dinner time when the sun goes down and make our electricity, even if you are signed up to clean electricity, still comes from one of them. Hardly anybody knows. How did I know? I just looked it up on Wikipedia. That would be part of education. Little interesting factoids you can share on social media that are fun to learn. And the test is, do people know more at the end? Now, Stark, striking, massive difference to what is behavior and action design. What is the ultimate test for action design? It is, did that person do a behavior? Imagine you've got the rats in the labyrinth. Did they make it up, down, right, left, and ultimately get to the food? If none of them did, then your action design failed. So when we're testing for an action, what would that action be? That action could be composting, turning up to a city meeting. It could be advocating for a change at the company you work for, switching over to an electric vehicle, putting on solar, starting a vegetable garden, getting a group of parents or kids together at a school, giving up plastic for a month. Real actions that you can measure in the real world. And what do we need to do to make sure our action design is working, we need to measure it. We need to track the progress. So many people set up these communities where they do a whole lot of like education and networking and talking about the issue, but they fail on this one part of action design, which is, are we actually tracking people's progress on these actions towards a goal? Don't forget this line, tracking action towards a goal. What is the goal? What is the action? How are you tracking the progress? How are you measuring it? Did we get 50 people to commit to compost for a month? Did we get 100 people? Did they do it every day? Did they make mistakes and do it every second day? What is the data? How are we tracking this action? We're not asking people, do they know the soil science of compost or the percentage of 
food scraps that are in the local landfill or how many tons of methane it produces or how much methane is worse than carbon dioxide. That's in the realm of education. Not saying you don't need it. It's really helpful. But it's an ingredient. It's not the whole thing. If you're doing action design, you also need a process of commitment. People need to commit to the action. They can do this through a pledge or committing for something for a certain period of time. Like I commit to a 30-day challenge. When people self-identify as vegan, they've made a lifelong commitment to never, ever eat animal products. Again, that's a very advanced level of commitment. When you self-identify as a vegan, it's not so much about the lifestyle and the behavior because you could turn on again, off again vegan. You could like not be vegan and go back. It's really psychologically about that sense of commitment to how you're going to be in the future. And when you're signing people on to put on solar or switch over their car or start a vegetable garden or join your eco club at your school, at some point you are needing to invite people to make some sort of commitment to that action. And that is something that does not exist in education design. If you're making a documentary, you're not asking people to commit to anything. And commitment usually requires writing it down on a piece of paper, writing down a pledge, committing to something to other people, putting your hand up and saying, I'll be there to a group. When you have real actions, you also have rewards and you also have punishments. When you're encouraging action, think of something like a simple sticker chart that's just a five-day challenge or a 30-day challenge. And then you have a whole bunch of like love heart stickers or maybe you've got like cool earth, smiling earth stickers. And then every time you do the thing, you give yourself a sticker. That sticker is a reward to try and encourage you, track progress towards a goal and have some accountability for you to remind yourself to do this behavior every single day. If you're doing app or software design, there's a whole lot of different rewards that you can use with colors and with levels and with animations or with cute or fun characters. Or maybe there's a reward that the city gives you. If you do X, Y, or Z, they give you like a gift card or sometimes there's promotions that go on like that. But you can give, you reward the behavior. You don't reward the knowledge. It's very, very different. And also what the city can do is they can implement a type of punishment. If you don't do the behavior, like maybe you don't turn your electricity off during a peak time, maybe you get a small fine. You might have to pay extra for those kilowatt hours. If you don't move your car from a parking space in a certain amount of time, you get a parking ticket. Or if you're just doing something in the voluntary world with sticker charts, maybe those people get frowny faces when they don't do the green thing that they were meant to do. When we're working on action design, we're also getting people to imitate each other. People copy other people in groups and they form groups very cohesively. When we're trying to get people to do action design, we're also trying to get people to imitate each other. People in groups copy each other. We copy each other even if we don't even know that we're copying each other. Humans can't not copy each other. It's so deeply built in. So if you're working in a company space and you're trying to get a new type of, maybe it's a plastic-free or a plant-based eating or riding your bike-to-work day thing going with the employees, you need to do it in a way where some people are doing the action in a way that is visible to the other people so they start copying them. That's another thing that you just can't do in education design. We don't copy each other's knowledge, but we do copy each other's behaviors and we can even copy each other's belief systems. And again, you want to be measuring it, measuring the progress. And when you're measuring the progress, you can also compare people. Now with education design, you can compare people maybe on a test score, but we're not talking about test scores. We're talking about measuring people's actions. How much plastic did you purchase from the supermarket this week? 
and how much did you purchase compared to everybody else? Comparison is the secret source to pushing behavior change forward. Nobody wants to be the worst person in the group. Everybody will want to be doing better than average. And you can't compare unless you can measure people. And educating people, just it just doesn't include that type of measurement of individual schools or businesses or households, environmental footprint, and how you can compare them together. So when you can start to see these really clearly, the difference between education design and action design, which ultimately comes down to education, you test by how much people know about a topic. Action, you test by how much people actually did about a topic. And honestly, they don't really have much in common at all. If I'm designing an education campaign, I'm doing a completely different job to if I'm designing a behavior change or action campaign. And I may or may not need a portion of good quality knowledge and education in the action campaign. But you know what? I can actually get by without it. That's how different they are. So I hope this episode helped you to make that distinction between the two so we don't rely on education more than we need and we can shift our focus much more over into the action design framework that's really designed on getting people to actually do stuff. If you want a really deep dive into how I do action design and UI UX design for environmental apps and dashboards and campaigns, I would definitely, definitely encourage you to sign up for my Gamify the Planet Masterclass, where you'll get access to all of the courses I've put together on how to go through my signature behavior mapping process. It's a 10-step process that is a measurement-driven UI, UX, story mapping inspired process that also includes all of the game techniques and all of the environmental psychology techniques in an extremely thorough, fine-toothed comb way. So you can go through your mission and really comb it down into a very surgical, specific approach that really gets those people to move through the maze, move through the labyrinth and come out the end actually doing the thing that you want them to do. You sign up on Patreon. It's at patreon.com forward slash Katie Patrick. And I will send you the links to the members page and all of the videos. You also get a whole bunch of other stuff. Basically, everything I've ever made that I sell on the internet is available in that group. And it's insanely low cost. I just put it there so people could really easily access everything I put together. And so there was some funding to help support this podcast. And if you do sign up, definitely do the Behaviour Mapping Bootcamp. That is the thought-leading strategic process that I really want everybody who works in climate and sustainability to learn how to do. It's just so powerful to learn it and to figure out how to implement these techniques. If you loved this episode, please do send me a DM on Instagram. Take a screen grab of the episode. You can share it on your stories. Tag me. I'm at Katie Patrick. Hello. You can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the podcast. And you can also rate and follow on Spotify if that's how you listen. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for your interest in environmental psychology and behavior design. And I will see you next week.